Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, February 16. Treat others as though it were a treat to be with them. I can see Swami smiling when he wrote this as a writer myself and also from having helped him or been with him when he was creating books over many years. It's always great fun when you come up with something that you really like. Treat others as if it were a treat to be with them is just a nice little ring ring of a double word there. But it's also, it's such a simple idea and it's so um, powerful. You know, there's a, 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 a cliche, actually. It's a proverb or whatever it is. It's a wise saying that is now a, a cliche. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it's a, a kind of a nice idea. In fact, it's a very nice idea, especially if you really drill down, you understand why it has become such a golden rule, golden standard for people's behavior. But when you think of it, less as a cliche that you're just repeating, and actually really go deep into your own experience and try to, try to think what that really means. A lot of times when uh, people behave in ways that are unfortunate in terms of promoting harmony or promoting love or closeness with other people, or even just in the simplest way of accomplishing what they want to accomplish, it's often because they are doing things that they don't understand the implications of them, the effect on other people primarily, because they're not conscious enough of their own feelings and their own reactions. That's why another well-known aphorism is know thyself. And what, what follows from that is to thine own self be true. And then it follows as the night, the day, that thou canst not then be false to any other man. Meaning that if, if we really understand how human nature works, and we understand it not as a theory or as a dogma or as a threat that God will punish us, us, but from an actual experience of, I know what this feels like. And when I, when I behave toward you in this manner, I know what it feels like. And therefore, I, to hurt you is the same as hurting me. And also now turning it onto the positive side, when we're on the receiving end of something that lifts our spirits and gives us so much strength, then suddenly it occurs to us that I could be this instrument to other people. Treating others as if it's a treat to be with them. I'm going to tell you about a very dear friend of mine. Um, Her name is not important. It's a woman friend. And she has always had what I would call an unconditional love for me. And I am a person, by the grace of God, who has many friends. I've, I've always had company and I have very deep and wonderful friendships. But this particular friend, because of her nature, not because of mine, I promise you, but because of her nature, she has this just wonderfully accepting way with people, which she has has unilaterally extended also to me. And being on the receiving end of just being accepted for who I am, and it has to be added that we're very different from each other. And... um, I often do things that she finds almost unbelievable <laughs> that I would actually think that's a good idea because I'm just, 
I live, I live on a different, uh, I'm, I'm one bubble off from where she is. You know, she's just very sensitive, very kind, very open, and I tend to be, I tend to analyze, I tend to think things through, I put things into words. You know, I, I honestly think both our ways of being are valid, but they're different. And so, so her, her, um, her the, the, the expansiveness of her acceptance of me is not based on the fact that we're just alike. It's that she accepts people. And I'm going to tell another story about her, which is very, uh, very meaningful to me. She had an experience of cancer. And uh, after she had a fairly serious operation, she came to stay with mutual friends of ours. It was, uh, our friends were better, in, in a better situation to take care of her than her own home. And so she came to stay there, and I also came up to help. Um, just to make it work. The house uh, where she was staying had two entrances, and one of them was closer to her bedroom, and one was closer to the kitchen. Almost everyone in that house came in through the kitchen. The The door close to the bedroom was rarely used. Now, her hostess, our mutual friends, sent out a note to the whole of Ananda community. You know, our friend is coming home from an operation. She's not going to have much energy. We really need to respect her privacy and just let her rest, give her time to convalesce. And that was, you know, it was all very clear. And this was a perfectly reasonable thing to do. We were, most of, most of the day we were in the kitchen, and all day long we kept hearing the front door open and close, and then little footsteps going into the bedroom just all day long. And the hostess was just getting, like, more and more uh, irate about this. But I understood. I said to her, because I, I knew this woman, I said, every single one of those people thinks that she is a special friend and therefore our friend would want to see her. And it was the truth. Because she has mastered the art of making everyone feel like it's a treat to be with them. Now, that is a skill worth cultivating. And I'll speak for being on the receiving end of it. You know, to have even one person in your life it's like an ideal mother love. My mother is long off the planet. So, you know, it's like this, this sister friend is substituted to a large extent for a mother in that respect. But that's what the ideal of mother love, isn't it? That there's always someone. But a mother has to love you. A friend chooses to love you. But also the other part of that is that a friend can choose to love. And so the idea, even in our own minds, that I want to be a friend to people. I want to be interrupted when I'm convalescing because everybody knows that they're so special to me, I would want to see them. And the fact of the matter is, it was true. You know, everybody, it wasn't an act. It wasn't like something she tried to do. It was just genuinely the way she felt about people. She just loved everybody. Everybody was a treat. Even when they were annoying, <laughs> they still just, we're all seeking bliss. We're all children of God. Now, there's another aspect of this which uh, Swami Kriyananda himself personified really beautifully, and it's the word enthusiasm. At the very end of Swamiji's life, literally like weeks, just weeks before he left his body, he wrote a letter out to all of Ananda, which it was a little disconcerting even at the time and became more so. I mean, he died very shortly after, less than a month after. But he described a simple thing about himself, the hallmark of my character, he said, has always been enthusiasm. 
And much earlier in many conversations over the course of years, at a certain point when then there was a certain amount of controversy about what his role was in Ananda, and it was during the time that we were facing litigation and there was a lot of attacks on Swami and a lot of attacks on Ananda from the outside, not from the inside. But when, inside of the community, I meant. Ananda was attacked from the outside. Many spiritual groups at that same period of time fractured internally. But Ananda did not fracture internally. Ananda was attacked from the outside. And, and some peripheral, and uh, there was, there was a, a depopulation from the edges. But the core of Ananda never wavered. But Swami was explaining. He said, I've never asked anything of you. I've never... I'm, he was being accused of being a dictator and, you know, a cult leader and all those things. He said, I've never, he, he actually gave two instances in, you know, 50 years of leadership in which he had ever actually told anybody what to do. I mean, he never told anyone what to do. He never asked anything of us, really, when you really thought about it. He led by enthusiasm, entirely by enthusiasm. He was so in love with God, so thrilled at the idea of being a disciple, so committed to building a wonderful work for Master, as he himself said, I know it's not possible for everyone to get onto the spiritual path. He said, but I like to think that if I just explain it just the right way from this new angle, that I'll be able to persuade everyone that seeking God is the answer to what they're looking for. And, uh, he said, I know it's not true, but it serves me to believe that. And that was just like, that was his enthusiasm. And no matter what we were doing, Swami was always 100% in it. You know, he, he was just never, he would never hold back. If we were out to dinner, he would be into the conversation. If it was a spiritual event, he would be totally focused. If we were watching a movie, you know, he would, he would watch it and then we would, he would comment about it. And it was always, he was always 100% of his attention and 100% of who he was. And he cultivated enthusiasm. And, and, and by that, I, again, I don't mean that everything is positive. It could be an extremely difficult thing that we have to do. But we still do it with enthusiasm in the sense, if this is what God has asked of me, this is what I'm going to do. Just applying your whole self to it. So if people were in his company... He never acted as if he didn't want to be there. You know, he would just, you're here, I will participate with you in whatever way is appropriate. Of course, if they weren't kind or they weren't interested in what he had to say, he wouldn't impose himself on it. But his enthusiasm would be for just sitting quietly, (laughs) just sitting quietly and being present and nobody wants to hear what he has to say. But it would always be with his positive, committed energy. I remember I I thought about this in a very peculiar way, in a very minor incident. And this was actually something that I did rather than he. But I was sitting in a restaurant and I had had a very good meal, whatever it was, I really liked it. And there was one small bite left on my plate, but I had set my fork down. And the waiter, being very solicitous, came and he was about to take my plate. And, you know, what you could, you could actually say was, no, just a moment, you know, while you take a bite. But I'd been trained by Swami. I said, no, not yet. And I stabbed the last bit and I very, you know, with tremendous flourish, put it in my mouth, put the fork down and then invited him to take my plate. And I just thought I was, I was pleased with myself because it was just a, a spontaneous action. But it was so like Swamiji. 
which is if you're going to do it, let's do it with our whole heart. You know? And then the waiter laughed, I laughed, you know, everybody, I used to work retail. And I mean, when I say used to, I literally mean more than 50 years ago before I moved to Ananda. I, because I had no career, no interest in having a career, so I often worked in retail clerk because it was an easy job to get. And uh, just any interaction with any of my customers that actually crossed the barrier between I'm just the person who gives you the shirt to we are really in this together. I just knew complete, we can make your whole day. So here's this man waiting tables and he's kind of an invisible force, but all of a sudden we're in it together. You know, it's a treat to be in your company. That's exactly what Swami's saying. When you're on the receiving end, it just makes so much difference. How hard is it to do? To just to be glad to be here. And what a, um, what a great discipline for the mind that is. Whenever um, we would come to Swamiji's house, when I, when I was his secretary, and every Monday through Friday at 4 o'clock I showed up on his doorstep. And every Monday through Friday when I showed up on his doorstep, he acted like it was such an incredible surprise that I was there. And he would sometimes literally say, to what do I owe this great honor? <laughs> and of course, it was ridiculously exaggerated because we all knew why I was there. But it wasn't really. It was genuinely, oh, look, you've come back again. And it's, imp- it's impossible to overstate how that way of relating really lifts your heart and on a very real level can transform you, both the one doing it and also the one receiving it. So why not follow this tiny little piece of advice that Swami has given us? Treat others as though it were a treat to be with them. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support ASHA, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.